Hello, everybody. Welcome to Becky Left the Chats inaugural music podcast for January of 1992. My name is Pat, and I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Jen. Hey, what's going on? Not much. So, um, for those that don't know, we dropped the first podcast on our feed. That podcast was a year in review of 1991, but obviously, um, podcasting wasn't a thing in 1992. So we are here now in 2022, looking back 30 years on 90s nostalgia. So first week of the month, we're really going to try to um, stick with music. So this way we can cover all the music that comes out in that month. Uh, We're going to work on getting you guys a Spotify playlist that you can interact with. You can add stuff with, I believe that's how that works. Can you do that? I think so. I think if you make it like a public thing, people could add stuff. They can talk to us. We can always add different... um, albums songs stuff like that but uh as as you can tell uh and as you probably know each year is different and how people experience music is different so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to focus when we can on new release music then if like a month like this one we're really got to dig back a little just to talk about a big hit on the billboard uh, music charts and where that goes with the rest of the 90s and you know we'll touch on some awesome music videos that come out too um we'll have little mini um vma award parties because that was really a thing in the 90s everybody got dressed up to get their little popcorn <laughs> man whatever it was little moon man remember yeah oh yeah yeah the, the movie awards was that but um and we are not music aficionados so we are open to if we didn't find something and you see something and want us to listen to it, we definitely will. Um, we're both, I would say, I probably like, uh, you know, rock music, hip-hop, definitely 90s like hip-hop, um, grunge, a uh, little bit of R&B, but not, not a ton. What about you? Yeah, um, I like 90s alternative. I like okay. punk. Um, also like grunge. Same thing, hip-hop. I'm not really big into the um, country stuff but we'll definitely touch on it when yeah and we'll definitely give it a shot yeah yeah it's one of those things where uh uh what is old is new right so yeah all the stuff that's classic that's considered classic now is like stuff that we grew up with that i had in my walkman you know on my walkman on my mixtapes on my cds i remember going to my cousin's house and asking my cousin to burn me a cd and it was like a dollar a cd so it was like a big deal if you screwed up and got the wrong mp3 like this was the times we were living in all of that <laughs> to get this like super fragile thing that if you dropped your disc man one you broke your disc man two Oof. your batteries flew everywhere and three you scratched the cd so you're just really up shit's creek without a paddle at that point don't try to jog with a disc man unless you oh. have that like what is it shock relief was oh it my god was it was called? like shock resistance something <laughs> And that would drain your batteries so much. But you'd feel like such a boss because you're like, I'm walking around and like this is not skipping. But the problem is, is the batteries would just die immediately. Uh, see, I didn't know that. I always used it. But but my dad got free batteries from work. Mm. So. There it is. Scum in the system. <laughs> you know. Listen, it was the 90s. You know, you got to do it. And that's it. So this first week, we're going to focus, like I said, on the music of January of 1992. Um, and if you guys, uh, know how a calendar works, we will continue every month, first week of the month on that month's music release. Um, as you'll hear on the other podcasts on this feed, we are going to be focusing then on, you know, we're also going to do a movies touch up, a TV show touch up and just a pop culture kind of fad, 
90s life roundup, you know, like a nostalgia roundup where we'll talk about different games, different video game systems, um, news events, news events, pop culture events, stuff like that. So fashion. Yeah. All kinds of all kinds of stuff to cover. We're calling that one the potpourri. Yeah. No, there it'll be. So welcome to Becky left the chat and let's get into it. So, Jen, we had a couple new releases to kind of talk about. This month, uh, definitely not the banger of a year month as it was last year in 91, which those are some lost episodes, but <laughs> we did get a lot of really big music releases. So we got Rancid, their self-titled album. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, it came out in 92. If you look up the Rancid, the, the Rancid self-titled album, it it comes up that it came out in 93. And that's because it came out first on Lookout Records in 92, in January, and then was re-released in 1993 on Fat Records, and that's when it became... I mean, so that's the one that you'll find when you look it up. But it did come out in 92 on, you know, Lookout Records. It's Rancid, if you like Rancid. I mean, it's a solid album. I re-listened to it. I had this album, because um, I liked them when they came out, you know, when they became a little more popular. But So I went back and got this album. So when I re-listened to it, it all sounded familiar to me. Um, I don't think that would be the case unless you've heard it before. <laughs> I don't think any of these songs were really that popular, but they were. Good. It's a good album. It's solid. Bass lines are great. It has a great sound to it. Um, yeah, not really much else to say about it. But welcome to the scene, Rancid. Here you are. And the other release. I mean, I have really not a ton to add because I not really a huge that I can think of off the top of my head rancid fan right like I I'm sure if I heard them I know what they are but it's not like I went to a show it's not because yeah well they're Ruby Soho yeah that, that yeah I mean yeah. that's what I'm saying I know um, the songs but I don't know if I Mohawk know. lead singer Tim Armstrong had a Mohawk that's I mean <laughs> Wait, very very raspy voice late 80s early 90s Mohawk stop nobody's okay. ever done that they um they have really like they're really bassy. They have, like, really, like, fast um, bass lines. Yeah, I mean... I'm, they have, like, fun bass lines. I'm not saying I haven't heard them. I'm just No, I know. I, I, just... I can't think of them off <laughs> my head. Um, and then the other one we had to go over that was a new one this, this month is the um, Rush soundtrack. So, on the Rush soundtrack, which um, is for, obviously, a movie called Rush, um, what song did we find that was really stuck out tears in heaven and i don't know if you've heard of it before i a little ditty i think this is one of the you know kind of like seminal sad beautiful haunting songs especially the unplugged version which will come later on i believe in this year too yeah Um, i think in like the fall or something like September-ish. Yeah, because this is this is also when um, this short time period, uh, early '90s, is when the kind of unplugged yeah. movement really hits because like of VH1 and stuff like that. So those concerts are played again, like over and over again. Like we're gonna get that nerd those Nirvana moments. But I do remember um, like the Eric Clapton unplugged version too. Yeah. Um, this was kind of like a thing where it was like, okay, we have this hard music or, you know, in his case, this is not really that hard of a song, but we have this, you know, melodic guitars and then we're going to do some unplugged stuff. But this song was about, uh, you know, the loss of his, of his son. So it's really a sad, yeah. sad, sad song. Yeah. It was um, four. 
Yeah. Without a window, it's real. It's super sad. It's super sad, and this song is super sad, but it's beautiful and it's haunting. Um, yeah, yeah. I listened to this whole soundtrack, the Rush soundtrack. Um, it's all Eric Clapton. Right. I'd say I think there's one other song that has any kind of singing in it. It's all like instrumental mm-hmm. for the most part, except for Tears in Heaven, and I guess that I think one other song. Um, but yeah. Yeah, this song was definitely the shining star on that album, for sure. As much as you can shine with the... I mean, it's a beautiful song. He did say that writing it helped him work through the grief and was really healing and stuff. So, I mean, I mean, I guess that's why music is so important, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Listen to the song. If you've never heard the song... I mean, you've heard... You... Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? You know, you never know. Somebody could be on here and they didn't listen to it, but we definitely recommend listening to the song. It's... I mean, I, it's beautiful. He said he wrote it kind of vague, too, so that it would work in the movie, um, even though it is, like, about his son and his experience losing his son. He did make it a little bit less specific for the soundtrack, so it would work in a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, it's 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 haunting. That's the, the best way to describe it. Um, but it, it is beautiful. Now... What did we have in terms of, or I don't know if you kind of went through any of this, Jen, but what did we have in terms of, like, Billboard music that came out at this point? Do you know? Hmm. Way to put me on the spot, Pat. Way to just throw me under that bus. Well, Um. I could take it and run. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> could you please? Uh, so last year there was a band that released an album, Nirvana. Never mind. Hmm. And this year it has gone to number one this month on the Billboard Top 100. Why that's important? Because at this point, grunge and that movement coming out of Seattle hasn't really taken a hundred percent foothold in society. This is the these are the guys. This is the time. This is the moment. This is the place? It's true. And this album in particular really launches Kurt Cobain and Nirvana into the spotlight, right? This is the first time you had heard of them, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, probably. I mean... We were young, but I'm saying... remembers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I remember all the songs off this album. Yeah. This album just had a 30th re-release, which coincides, obviously, with this podcast. Um, we're not Nirvana-heavy, but I did love Nirvana um, a lot, mostly just because the music itself was so, and is so much of a slap to the heavy metal glam. Um, you know, and, and the rock glam that was the 80s, right? It's just the simpler mm-hmm. riffs, chords, loud, screaming, angry, um, but also Yeah, everything, even beautiful. the fashion, even like the grunge fashion everything. is just like a complete 180 on the on the, the glam band type stuff. And this album hit number one in the Billboard charts. And again, that's, that's going to be important. That's going to be a theme because we're catching now the movement as it goes. So this movement's going to obviously have bands Riding like... a wave. That's it. It's going to have bands like Soundgarden. We're going to have Red Hot Chili Peppers really kick off. 
Red Hot Chili Peppers wasn't really grunge, though, was it? No, but it all got lumped in that, like, West Coast. It all got lumped in that alternative kind of, like... So, grunge... They had more, like, I don't know. If you think come, like, 98... Like, I would say, if you think come, like, 98, 99, that all of this stuff isn't kind of put back together. Because now it's all put together. It's all, like... Like, 30 years later, it's all, like, this is alternative. This is 90s alternative. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's all, like... Yeah, it wasn't grunge. And, I mean, grunge specifically, like, a lot of these bands were in Seattle, so a lot of this stuff came from Seattle. Like, in the movie Singles, which we're going to spotlight when that movie comes out, I mean, that movie is basically a who's who of the grunge movement in Seattle in the movie. Like, the characters interact with these bands by going to these house shows, and they're playing. Like, the bands are there. So it's pretty cool. I mean, not Nirvana, if I... I haven't rewatched the movie yet, but if I recall correctly, not Nirvana. I believe it's Soundgarden. Yeah, maybe. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I used to love that movie. Um, but Pearl Jam, all these bands, they all get lumped together. Whether or not they're all the same, but that's just like saying 80s rock, and then you're like, okay, well, you know, or 70s, 80s rock. You're like, okay, Van Halen, Kiss, this, that. Like, you put them all together because in your mind they're all in the same bucket, except they're not, right? They're really right. not. So when we're here, we can really delineate a little bit about who's who and what's what. And, you know, maybe something comes of it in terms of us um, talking through it for ourselves and educating ourselves more about it. But this is really considered um, the growth and explosion of the grunge movement. So Nirvana, never mind, hits the Billboard Top 100, January 1992. Did you own the album, Jen? Yeah, of course. I'm not in 1992. Um, But yes, of course I own the album. Of course. Did you? Um, I did. I... I'm happy to say that in true grunge fashion, I did not pay for it. You did? What, you, did you steal it? What did you <laughs> no. What did you, how did you get no, it? No, I got it on a tape. I got it on a tape. Oh, you had somebody like yeah. tape it for you? Oh, I had That's, it on, I had a CD. Yeah, I didn't have it on a CD because my sister, um, you know, as, as is the case with, with, as is the case with most people, um, in terms of music, I mean, or was the case, I should say. The music that you get were able to get was from three sources. Your friends, yourself, or your family. So in my case, my sister was a big, uh, big, and she might even, who even knows, one day maybe she'll get on the podcast um, to talk about it. She's already kind of insinuated she would love to have a moment. Um, but big um, female singer, songwriter. You know, the Alanis Morissette's, the Sarah McLaughlin's, the Lilith Fair Life. That was her thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that music was blasting in my house. And then my mom, as we know, because we have access to her old records, which she just gave away, which then I kept, and now I have them again. Gave them away to you? Yeah, well, she just kind of was like, I don't want them. Like, what am I going to do with these things? Nobody listens to records, right? Because she went through the progression that most people went through, where she had all the albums, like you did. And then it be- then they became tapes, then they became CDs, and then you just kind of fall off. So, I mean, she stopped at CDs. Like, she still has CDs. She still buys them, still has them for her car, refuses to adopt the technology um, that would allow her to have all of it at her fingertips. <laughs> but, I mean, what can you expect when, you know, people of a certain age? But I mean, she- that's what's going to happen she- to all of us, right? I mean, I feel like when we're... Yeah, a little I mean, older, we're going to be like, I can't. I'm not going to put this chip in my ear for the, yeah. <laughs> to listen to this music. Like, fuck that. Like, I'm sticking with my MP3s. I mean, you know? I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's wild, but um, she's still, you know, in the CD phase. But she had all of her albums, and 
uh, we got about half. I mean, we got a lot of like Prince stuff, a lot of Genesis, Phil Collins, stuff like that. So she really liked that 80s, you know, rock, but also, you know, into the, like, into the night, like, kind of stopped late 80s, early 90s. I mean, we have a bunch of uh, cool different records. And I, we have my uncle's old collection, which is a bunch of Kiss albums, a bunch of Van Halen albums. So, I mean, that's what the options were. You know, if I wanted a tape and I went to my uncle, I would get a, you know, 80s rock tape. If I wanted a tape from my mom, I'd end up with this kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously the female music uh, scene hasn't really taken off. The singer-songwriter thing hasn't started just yet. I mean, they're they're there. They're recording albums, but it's not going to be what it's going to be. It hasn't blown up yet like yeah. it does, yeah. Like with Jagged Little Pill and stuff like that, where it's really going to just take off. Um, it's not there yet. So once that's there, I could get that stuff from my sister on a, on a tape. My friends, I mean, I'm too young at this point, but even, even into my early teens, I mean, they... We liked a lot of Blink-182. We'd have those albums. Um, I had a couple Green Day albums or access to. Offspring was a big deal um, for uh, like uh, just where I grew up. Like There's a lot of you know Smash and Nitro were on a lot of tapes and stuff like that. Um, and Nirvana was... Nirvana was always darker. I feel like everybody always thought it was darker. And when you listen to it now, and obviously you know the story and everything like that, it is. Yeah. It's really dark. Yeah. And I mean, so this is 92. I mean, Kurt Cobain dies in two years. Mm-hmm. So when we're teenagers and, you know, this stuff is still really popular in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you he's already dead and like you already f- feel this heaviness about this music. So, yeah, it is. It is darker. For it sure. is dark. I mean, and we spotlighted, you know, on our on our launch podcast, which was our 91 rap, and we talked about this, you know, we spotlighted some of these songs, and these songs, even now, like, there's not a lot of, I guess, light in these songs when you listen to them. Like, when you hear something like Tears of Heaven, and and this is why I want to kind of talk about this and wrap it together, um, obviously it's a song about grief, and it's about sadness, and about working through something, but you can, it's, it's haunting, because you know the backstory, but it really feels like there's something there, right? It feels like there's some sort of hope. When you listen, I think anyway, when you listen to something, like something in the way, you are just basically like, I want to be alone in a hole by myself <laughs> until I work through this. Like, it is dark. Something in the way might be one of the darkest songs I can think of. Yeah. yeah it really it is haunting in a different way, you know? Right. And, it's and like, I, I wonder if it's... You know, Eric Clapton, I don't, I don't know how old he was in 1992 or 91 when he wrote this song, but, um, you know, I'm assuming he's older, much older, probably about 10 years older at least than Kurt Cobain. And I wonder if it's just that the difference between teenage young adult angst and, you know, growing up a little bit and having that slight, you know, more maturity to go through something like that. I, I don't know, you know, obviously... I'm sure mental illness has a lot to do with it and stuff, but. So Eric Clapton is 46 at this point, at least if my. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I feel like a 46 year old is probably a little bit better at handling life's, you know, hard shit. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Than a 20 something year old, but I don't know. I mean, that's the, it's not always the case, but there is something a little bit more. 
some I, some of the Nirvana songs just sound. It just it's like pure emotion. Yeah. Right. It's just. It's. I mean. Yeah. You know, it, it's gonna be sad, and it's gonna you know, especially now that it's yeah. their 30th anniversary and stuff. I think that's why it it still to this day resonates so much with people uh-huh. because it really is like pure emotion, and it, you know. I think really of the '90s, you know, it's so when we were in college. There's a, a poster that a lot of people had at the, you know, dorm. And again, you know, as you do, as one does, buy posters, put them on your wall. You got these barren walls, you want to do it. And there's one that I'll never forget because it was so, um, it just sticks out. It resonates with me. And it may appear here in our pod closet someday if I could locate it. It shouldn't be too hard. But it was basically like, it was a poster that had like Biggie, Tupac, and I believe it was all like hand drawing or kind of like art drawing. And it was like Biggie, Tupac, Kurt Cobain, like all these people that died young. Right. Because their music was so raw. Like Biggie's music, when we get there, and again, I'm not a rap aficionado at all, um, but you can hear it and it was different. It wasn't just like listening to the same thing, you know, or listening to a similar like you know, rap album. It just wasn't. It was something else there. There was something in the struggle and how this person was talking and speaking and singing and rapping to you. Same thing with Kurt Cobain. There's just something about their experience that was so terrible to them that they put it into their art in a way that it could resonate to anyone, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. You know, and I just always remember that poster because it was just all these, like, people that had died young. Like, yeah. musical people that had died young. And I think 27 was randomly, like, a year that a lot of them died. Like, well, I the 27, age. the age. Yeah, so, yeah. it was all, like, all these people. And I just always was remember it, that. Because was I'm it like, Hendrix, too, that died at Hendrix, 27? Yeah, he was um, on, yeah. Janis Joplin, maybe? I'll look and see if I can find the poster. Maybe we can post it on our website or something. Um, like, a link to it. But um, it, it'll be poignant because these people are going to, you know, come here and then go. And we're going to, you know, be touching on all that when that happens. And it's just, man, because I just, you hear the music even now. And the music even now to people our age still resonates in a way, both back to the feelings of being a kid, being in your room, being isolated, and just dealing with shit and being like, this is terrible. And the music bringing you further into that place, but maybe you can find something to come out of that. And then also... Like, just knowing that, like, the grief and, and stuff that you're dealing with is temporary, too. Because it's like, the he's singing all of this, but you feel like maybe someday, you know, something good could come of it, you in a way. About, are you talking about Tears in Heaven when you say no, that? No, I'm, I'm talking Nirvana. about Kurt Cobain, yeah. Um, I'm talking about Nirvana. Yeah. This is the only you time we uh, talk about it's, it. It's hard for me to think of Nirvana in any other lens than that of a teenager, because that's right. what I was when I listened to them you know, the most and love them and just sit in my room. And I think in utero was like my favorite, but I had all of the albums, like all of their, you know, main albums. And, um, yeah. So it's hard for me to think of it as an adult listening to this music, even though I still do listen to it sometimes. Um, I think that there was this comfort in knowing that you're not alone feeling Mm -hmm. like crazy and angsty and all the feelings that teenagers feel Mm -hmm. over every little thing. Um, so there was some kind of comfort in it, for sure, you know? Mm-hmm. It would get you deeper into those feelings, and then I think that would help you work through it, you know? I think that's just music. I think that's just music in general. They just had a, a 
a good way of connecting with angsty youth, you know? Yeah, and you know... That the- didn't want to fit in and be, like, nothing wrong with, like, being a jock or a cheerleader or whatever, but it wasn't necessarily for those types of people as much as, like, if you felt like a little bit of an outsider, you know? Well, and, and that was what Smells Like Teen Spirit was about. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's what that was the whole point of that song, and, and the, the album itself was just basically, like, you know, I am, we are different, but we're the same, right? We're all dealing with similar types of feelings, but we're all different. Like, this is not for you. You can go, you know, the jocks, you can go, or at least the idea was, like, you can go and listen to... Guns and Roses. You can go and do all these other things, but like this is for like the people that feel that there's nobody else like them. There are people like you who are here together. Right. And, and again, I think that's just a teenage way. experience to feel yeah. like your problems are something no one else has ever experienced. I really felt that way. I remember how hard the things were that and like now I look back and I'm like, oh man, that was but it's not a big deal. But it's, but it's, you know, it's one of those experiences that's, you know, it's, it's an experience that everybody goes through. If you, you know, make it out and you're an adult, you, you went through that time where you felt like nobody around you could necessarily understand what it was that drove you or what you wanted to do or all the pressures of society to become something. Right. And this was the kind of music and grunge, the movement in general is kind of like, well, we don't want to do what you want us to do. We want to wear jeans and flannels and sweaters and, and we, we don't want to go and be part, you know, off of a catalog and follow the fashion trends and do all this other stuff. Like, this is not who we want to be. And it was a real rebellion off that just 80s excess. And obviously now, you know, when you take the lens 30 years back, um, a lot of the stuff that we'll see from a lot of this music that was created is really, I, I think, going to kind of loop back because... Today's society is all about not owning anything and not having anything and not having anything tangible and having a digital footprint and having this presence where you're in this community where you have to be part of a community. This was basically saying you don't have to be part of a community, but you're but you are you by not being part of something, you are part of something. Right. Well, that's always a thing, right? Right. Like, you're so unique in yep. how you're just like everyone else that's thinking like you. You know. Right. So meanwhile, there's people. You know, there are the the jock, the chiller, this that that might be listening to this music because they're in a hole and it's such great music that they're it, listening to it. It's good or music. The nerds or whatever. You know, yeah, like right. it's hard, even like especially their hits. Like there's no way people weren't listening to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Smells Like Teen Spirit is on everywhere. It was, it was everything. And so the idea that like, okay, this is made not for you people, but really everybody gravitated towards it because you can hear the message and hear the song. Like now it's like, okay, well everybody loves that. And then so you look around and you're like, you see kids wearing shirts that say Nirvana and you're like, obviously, you know, their parents introduce them to the music or whatever and then they're they're getting it. But you're like, how did you know, it was such a, it was such a almost like, you know, as pretentious as it sounds, but it's almost kind of like a, like a personal religious experience when, if you found this, because your parents weren't giving you Nirvana in 92, right? They may have taken you to buy it. They weren't going to be like, I listened to this album and I really think you should listen to it. It wasn't like handed down. It wasn't like some of this other stuff. Like you had to get it from... Some, you may have seen the video on MTV, so you went out and bought it. Maybe you had some cool parents, but I mean, but, I our mean, parents weren't buying it. I, you see, you also had the experience of having 
your mom listened to cool music. Your, you had an older sibling that listened to music. I'm sure your brother listened to some. some he was kind of, like rap and hip hop. So yeah. you were exposed to all these things just in your own house, like. Sure. I was an only child. My parents were into a little bit of like older music. Um, my dad really liked country at this time, and my mom listened to the same Eagle CD like on repeat over and over. So I didn't have exposure to music in my house other than like putting on MTV or putting on the radio. Right. Um. I wonder what it's like to, to, to grow up. Well, you're, you know. I mean, your mom does let, like good music. She liked Rolling Stones and all this yeah, cool and stuff. Yeah, listen, I she, mean, likes, she likes some Nirvana songs too now. But I just think the idea, like, alternative music had a very specific audience. And I feel like that audience, the, you know, the main audience was the main consumer audience, you know, say 18 to 35, you know, that, that audience they're talking about. Then it obviously bled down to younger generations. But, like... When we're here now and we're talking about music and as we go forward, you, you can press a button and get all this music. You know, I know. Back then, it just wasn't like that. So that's why I'm saying, like, it's just one of those things where somebody had to give this to you. An older cousin. Um, I think that might have been the first time I heard Nirvana. Maybe one of my cousins had it or something because they're borrowing a friend's CD. It was such a thing um, to get, to even to get this introduced to you that it's just different. You know, like, my parents would never... And I mean, you know, shit, you, you may be listening to this and you may be somebody that's in their, you know, 50s to 70s, right? And you're like, I did give that to my kids, okay. You right? might have a different experience with this and what but, we're talking about. Maybe you're like, yeah. I just thought this was great music. I never sat in my feelings about it, you know? <laughs> like, it's But for not... the most part, I can honestly say that, like, my parents' purchasing power when it came to music was not going to be like, I'm going to buy this CD list or this tape, listen to it. And then I'm going to be like, I feel like you need to listen to it. Like my parents could be like, you can listen to Genesis. You can listen to this. You listen to that, which at the time I'm like, I don't want to listen to another Phil Collins song. Like where I'd always get in the car, there'd always be, you know, the, yeah. you know, light station on. But now obviously you realize how great it was and how to get these earworms in your mind. And these songs is awesome because you look back and people are experiencing now going, that's really good. And, Meanwhile, you're like, oh, my parents like that. But it's one of those things where, uh, you know, and that's why I want to take the time on a month like this where it's not a ton of stuff to kind of go back a little. And we're not going to try to do that too much because now we're going to be moving forward. So we should catch a lot of these songs and a lot of the stuff. Oh, it's relevant. It's relevant that they yeah. they reach the top 100. And I mean, that's a relevant thing to talk about, I think, as we, you know, enter into 1992. Um, well, sh shameless plug, we're going to have... As we go, um, a lot, especially towards the end of the year, so we're going to have a lot of kind of winners of the years. And these first few years, the winners of the year, at least in music, is going to be, you know, we mentioned some of them, but, you know, Kirk Cobain Nirvana is really going to be, because they're going to be around and then they're gone. And that's it. So it's really these first couple of years is them, you know, and obviously an absolutely shameless plug here at the end of the podcast but i mean we're also doing like a 90s wrestling rewatch and on the same thing you're gonna see that there's just certain people that hit for certain little times in the 90s you know i mean we mentioned on our movie wrap up and another guy that's gonna be big in the 90s is gonna be like keanu reeves right, right. i talked about how i'm taking point break i mean he's gonna be in a lot of movies that are gonna be here in the 90s and some of the other people you think about when you think about the 90s you think about like schwarzenegger and stuff like that but he was more like the 80s like, Terminator 2 hit in 91, and he's going to have some more movies and big movies. But then when you look back at the whole decade and go, wait, who really, like, popped? 
It's gonna be like Keanu Reeves. Like he's got, he's gonna have speed. He's got a bunch of these other moves. I think he's got. I think Devil's Advocate comes out at some point during this time too with like Pacino. I'm pretty sure, but I know obviously The Matrix comes out in the '90s, and that's like a wild movie. Um, and again, to wrap all that into music and stuff, we're just doing a pop culture kind of podcast, which is why we're talking in these terms, um, especially after. Yeah, we're definitely deep on we're not experts, at least not yet, yeah. and we just we just want to bullshit about something that makes us feel nostalgic, yeah. and you know, so, if you're listening, thank you. Yeah. But uh, so hopefully you liked it. I mean, again, you know, like I said, in terms of rap, it's going to be as well. You know, rap and hip hop is going to be, you know, really the person that's going to blow out of all this is you know, Puff Daddy, P Diddy, because he's going to be here with Biggie, and then he's just going to keep going, and he's just going to become a, a trillionaire. You know, him. Yeah. And, I, I think, yeah, I'm sure Jay-Z's here in the 90s, too, and he's going to come out on Dr. Dre. Like, there's got all these other guys, but the main guys in the beginning, or not the main guys, because it, it diminishes these other guys' careers, but the guys that they're with, their friends, that really blow the doors open. Well, I mean, They're Biggie, all going to die. But, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying, that, that, those people are going to die, tragically, and these other people are going to come, and then they're going to be... The, the faces really of a lot of these movements in, in certain ways and it's really going to be interesting to to chart these kind of stars so to speak and their trajectory because you're gonna we're gonna be meeting people at, at their when they're there and then just shooting up because of all these other things that go on so it's really interesting and uh, we're really glad that you're gonna take this ride with us um we're gonna try to keep everything as timely as we can these feeds will be going i think i said in the beginning monday but it's friday i think i think we're gonna do fridays um yeah that was my yeah. fault but you'll figure I mean, it out we'll, you know they'll, yeah. they'll go on and by, then, uh, by the see. time you find this it'll probably be mid 91 like, oh. uh, mid, mid 92 or 93 of this rewatch the that's hope okay. is that by the time you find this episode you're like oh wow they sound so so green like they don't yeah. <laughs> they sound so rusty like you can listen back and be like oh wow yeah no it's interesting listening to your your people's first few episodes it's so different that's yeah. the hope anyway um but next week we have we have tv yeah coming at you right yeah from think... some some tv from january 1992 and again we're gonna be getting some golden age tv coming up too we're gonna have a lot of you know really good shows some shows that we like that then are gonna transition out to you know the seinfeld friends all that. Of the my world. favorite '90s sitcoms. That's my favorite. Uh, Raymond, things. right? Isn't Raymond? Raymond, yeah. But you know, the funny thing about Raymond is, I um, I think that's later '90s, but we'll get there. I don't. I didn't watch it when it was on. Like I started mm-hmm. watching it like in reruns, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, this shit's funny. But when you watch it all now, it's the nostalgia of watching it now. That's what all this is. You know, when I listen to Nirvana or you know even Tears in Heaven, but Tears in Heaven I heard more when I was in. Like the later '90s, but when I listen to Nirvana, I I just always it always takes me back to yeah. that place. You know, it always takes you back to that place, and that's what's really great art will do. Yeah. Music, art, it'll take you back to that place when you first experience it. It's true. It's true. You know, and it'll and and then sure it'll go through the years, but it'll really bring you back all of that emotion, all of that ride to get to this point to be like, why did I put that on? Why did I listen to that? Oh, I'm listening to that because I want to hear, you know, in this case, like we want to just hear it again to hear those reactions. Other times it may come on the, the news, it may, uh, or the, um, 
like something in the way is on a, a, a movie trailer or it'll come on the it's radio. On the, it's on the, the Batman trailer. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's on the Batman trailer and it's like, or it's on the radio or it's on, you know, to see a kid wearing a shirt, you know, never mind shirt. And you're like, holy shit. Like, damn. Well, if you think about it, it's like when we were like kids, you know, there are people wearing like Rolling Stones shirts and Grateful Dead and that kind of like throwback type stuff. Like that was a thing. That's always kind of been but a the, thing. But now the thing is that we're the, we're the old people. We're the adults seeing it like, holy shit. But Everything really is cyclical. But there's Rolling Stone shirts next to Nirvana shirts at a fucking Target. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. At a Walmart. Yeah. And the whole point of this music, at least Nirvana, was never to be that. I know. I know. Never to be at a Target. Or a, or a Walmart. Like, the whole point was fuck all that establishment shit. So that was, you know, where it goes and where we'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for taking the ride. Jen, you got anything else you want to add here? Uh, no, I think that's it, you know. Check us out on social media. Becky left the chat. Mm-hmm. Mixtapes, Becky left the chat, scheduled for one fall. We'll get that all sussed out very soon. Um, we accept criticism. Um, nice, so you gotta be nice. Keep it nice, though. We're, we're fragile. We're fragile, very fragile. Very fragile. So, and again, <laughs> we're trying, and we really appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. Listen, and as they say, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Let's go, Rangers.